Welcome to this episode of South Carolina Politics. In this episode, I want to replay the audio provided by the House of Representatives. From July 19, 2022, you'll hear Representative John McCravey. He's the chairman of the Ad Hoc Committee on the House panel that created the working draft to be submitted to the Judiciary Committee on Abortion in South Carolina. And then, of course, it will move on to the full House for approval. For the sake of ease of listening and time, I've edited it down to just Representative John McCravey's setup and explanation of the draft. A few weeks ago, they had a meeting that was open for public statements. This one was not. So I thought you'd find it interesting and like to hear it. All right, members, we are uh, our charge from Speaker Smith and our duty to the House of Representatives is to make a recommendation for language to be inserted in H5399 for the purpose of addressing the issue of abortion in South Carolina after the Dobbs decision. Today we have before us proposed language for that purpose, and before we get into the specifics of what this proposed bill does and does not do, I want to summarize some of the effort that went into the drafting of the language of this proposed bill. Uh, the term due diligence is always important when drafting legislation, and this term means that the bill has been carefully examined and that wording is accurate and the bill does what is intended. Uh, while no one ever can ever claim perfection uh, in wording, we have done everything possible to ensure this draft legislation is legally and ethically sound and accomplishes what is intended without causing negative unintended consequences. The day the ad hoc committee was formed, uh, we began working and we have never stopped. Uh, I would like to commend the speaker's staff and judiciary staff for their fine work in assisting in this process, as well as legislative counsel. Uh, in preparation, we did exhaustive research. Uh, this included uh, reviewing uh, several well thought out model acts including the NRLC model act, the ADF model act and other acts that were available. We reviewed and studied legislation that was enacted and, and or proposed in some 20 different states. We researched medical and scientific topics by examining peer-reviewed studies in medical journals and consulting with experts in the field. Uh, next, we had a lengthy and exhaustive public hearing on July the 7th. The hearing notice was posted in advance and was open, transparent, and inclusive. We heard many varied views, opinions, concerns, and individual stories. We did not close the hearing until every single person who had signed up to speak was given a chance to speak. A video of the entire hearing is posted on the South Carolina legislative website. And I would like to commend the public, as well as the members, staff, and security for keeping the testimony civil and substantive. You know, I believe that the hearing was well worth the effort and was very productive. Along with diverse opinions, we heard many moving personal testimonies, but even more importantly, we heard many key misconceptions about the clear and unambiguous law of our current fetal heartbeat law that's now in effect. And although these misconceptions may have their roots in disinformation, we don't know, uh, it has become clear that we need to address these nevertheless. We also heard the concerns of the medical community and even some of those who, have, who seem to have fears and misconceptions in that area. 
And as a result, we followed up after the hearing uh, and received input from various OBGYNs, family doctors, and embryologists throughout the state. After the public hearing, we also took written testimony, and we have all received thousands of emails. The result of the work of committee staff, legislative council, and committee input is the draft you have before you today. And as I begin to summarize the proposed bill, I want to start out by emphasizing the most primary things this bill does and the things that this bill does not do. The number one thing that this bill does is to end the practice of abortion being used as birth control in our state. Most of the people of South Carolina agree that terminating life for mere convenience is wrong. The number one thing this bill does not do is to endanger the health care of women in any way. I want to say that again for clarity's sake. Uh, the number one thing this bill does not do is endanger the health care of women in any way. This is the number one misconception that we found repeated in the public hearing that somehow women's health care is endangered currently by somehow by the fetal heartbeat law or that somehow it will be danger, in danger with this proposed law. Nothing and absolutely nothing could be further from the truth. Both the current fetal heartbeat law and this proposed law contain carefully crafted provisions protecting the life and serious bodily health of the mother. Neither law prevents any type of emergency care to save the life or serious bodily health of the mother. In fact, the mother's health and life is a primary concern and is always protected in any good legislation. Because disinformation about this subject seems to have been repeated by various sources in the public forum, in the media, and, uh, and everywhere, we have chosen to emphasize the truth through specific assurances and clarity in this proposed bill that are not found probably in any legislation in the United States. Uh, we hope this clarity will be a model for partnering with the medical establishment's need for absolute clarity of interpretation and avoidance of any minute possibility of confusion. As stated earlier, the current fetal heartbeat bill, as well as this proposed bill, specifically allows any legitimate healthcare procedure necessary to prevent the death or serious bodily impairment of the mother. In this proposed bill, we take this clarity to a new level by giving specific examples of medical conditions that are presumed to threaten the life or serious health of the mother. This list was compiled after consultations with and recommendations of OBGYNs, family doctors, embryologists, and other medical professionals. This is a non-exhaustive list, so, uh, but we're gonna, I'm going to give you the following examples that are in this language. We specifically say that it's presumed that you, that you can have a potential life-threatening condition if you have an ectopic pregnancy, if there's a molar or partial molar pregnancy. In the case of miscarriage, the NC is appropriate. Severe preeclampsia including the HELP syndrome, H-E-L-L-P syndrome, abruptio placentae, maternal trauma, uh, uterine rupture, 
and intrauterine fetal demise. Uh, I note that some of these procedures do not involve a live in utero preborn child and then really are really not even considered abortion, but we listed them anyway for clarity. Uh, also, we are careful to point out in the proposed bill that this is not an exhaustive list of conditions that can threaten the life or serious health of the mother and that other conditions, any other conditions that threaten the life or serious health of the mother can be treated as well. At the same time, and this is very important, we also make it clear that any time a live in utero preborn child must be separated from the mother to preserve her life or health, the child may not be killed in the womb before being separated unless there's no other way to do the procedure and save life of the mother. In other words, these procedures may not be used to needlessly kill a living preborn child. As we continue to talk about how this proposed bill protects women's health care, we address another misconception about the continued availability of contraception. Nothing in the current fetal heartbeat law, nothing in this proposed bill, interferes with access to contraception. We specifically state in this proposed bill, just like the fetal heartbeat law, that nothing is intended to affect access to contraception. In fact, uh, I, can, I can tell you that the intent of this legislature is just the opposite. We passed a law sponsored by Senator Davis this session increasing and expanding access to contraception directly from pharmacists. So nothing in this bill affects contraception. Now we turn to another subject raised by the healthcare professionals, and that's the subject of uh, assisted reproductive treatment called ART and in vitro fertilization or IVF. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation about how this proposed bill would affect the reproductive practice in our state. When practiced ethically, these technologies assist in the miracle of new life. In short, this proposed bill specifically preserves these practices. In consultation with experts in the reproductive medical field, we are including specific language in this proposed bill to make it clear that this bill does not affect the continuing practice of ART and IVF in South Carolina so long as it complies with the ethical and medical standards of care of the reproductive medical community. The one exception is that this proposed bill prohibits the outdated and dubious practice of selective reduction, where multiple fetuses are intentionally grown in the uterus and then selectively aborted for no legitimate healthcare reason. We now turn to the consequences of violation of the law. Uh, this bill does make it a crime to violate the law. However, we want to make it clear that a pregnant woman who receives an illegal abortion is not subject to prosecution in this proposed bill. Women who have an abortion are often victims themselves of abuse and coercion. We heard testimony from women in the public hearing who regretted getting an abortion but were unduly influenced by a family member into getting that abortion. While it may certainly be argued that justice requires punishment of women as well as those who perform illegal abortions, this bill seeks to err on the side of mercy and understanding. In addition to a criminal penalty, those who violate this law can be civilly liable 
and medical professionals who intentionally perform an illegal abortion are subject to losing their license to practice medicine. We turn to another subject, and that is currently in the news and been brought up a lot after the Dobbs decision. There is currently no state law in force in the entire United States that restricts the travel of its citizens to other states. Legal scholars have pointed out that such a law would be unconstitutional on its face. A sovereign state generally has no jurisdiction to regulate what other states do. As a result, this proposed bill has no provision restricting travel of its citizens. However, we need to be clear that any doctor from another state who illegally prescribes an abortion in our state over the internet or otherwise will be subject to criminal prosecution. It's already illegal for a doctor or anyone without a South Carolina license to prescribe any abortion medication or other means of abortion in this state. It is the intent of the language of this bill that any unlicensed doctor violating this law will be held responsible. One of the most emotional and difficult issues to deal with is the situation where a woman has been sexually assaulted and becomes pregnant. This is always a tragedy and a horrific situation for the woman, and we all agree several things should happen. First, the woman should get all the assistance and care we, we can offer, and we have a lot of victims' assistance out there. Second, the perpetrator should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, and we agree on that. But as much of a tragedy as this is, we must consider the life of the innocent preborn child as precious as the life of any child. We've all heard testimony from many good people living productive lives who were conceived as a result of sexual assault. We have to admit that their lives matter and they have the right to live as much as anybody else. To kill an innocent preborn child will never erase the criminal act. But what it will do is turn one tragedy into two tragedies. For this reason, the proposed language in this bill values the lives of innocent preborn children conceived in criminal circumstances the same as lives of all preborn children. And we would join 10 other states that already choose not to take an innocent life based solely on the circumstances of conception. We also heard testimony from others, Pastor Craig Scott for one, with spina bifida, that have been diagnosed with physical and mental challenges in the womb, but have led productive and valued lives. This proposed bill joins six other states that already treat the lives of physically and mentally disabled children as having the same value and dignity as other children. In summary, this proposed bill bans the practice of abortion as birth control. It protects and preserves all legitimate women's health care. Availability of contraception is not affected by the bill. The practice of in vitro fertilization and assisted reproductive therapy that encourages reproduction of life is expressly preserved in this bill. All preborn lives matter in this bill, and all innocent lives are protected regardless of the circumstances of conception or disability. Having said that, uh, normally 
members, we would have a proposed, we would have a bill in front of us if we were in a subcommittee. But because we're an ad hoc committee, uh, we need to start off with a working draft. So uh, at this time, Representative Hyatt moves that we adopt the working draft before you as a starting point. Uh, all those in favor, signify by saying aye. All opposed, so the motion passes. Thank you for listening to the South Carolina Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Sloan. If you have any questions about what you heard here today, email me at bob at bobsloan.com. That's B-O-B-S-L-O-N-E dot com. You can find out more about what we do here at Bob Sloan Audio Productions on my website at bobsloan.com. Again, thank you for listening. And make sure you follow, share, and leave a review.